Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. We're talking about partaking. You know, uh, a couple of Sundays ago, I uh, ministered on partaking. And uh, we talked about how God set up this life for Adam and Eve that we could, we could get a glimpse of and see that he put them in the light and he separated light from darkness and he put them in this life and to us as an example. And Jesus came as a second Adam and showed us, took it back and showed us again how we can live in the light fully. And uh, we also ended it in knowing who we are. That's part of partaking, is taking a hold of that we are from Romans 8.11. I pulled out, we are spirit, resurrection, and power. That's who we are. Why are we that? Because Jesus put that in us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells in us. We're supposed to partake that. That's not automatic. That just doesn't happen to us. We have to partake of it. We give our life to Christ. That was a partaking. I told about my, talked about my testimony last week about how I had a choice to make. Life or death, blessing or cursing. I chose life. I partook of that. But it wasn't ending there. I have to partake daily. So I have to partake. And last week I had you uh, uh, say it back with me that we are spirit, resurrection, power. And when we leave this building, we're spirit, resurrection, power. And when we wake up, we look in the mirror and say, you're spirit, resurrection, power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells in you. We have to partake of that. I also told a story to help, help us understand um, what partaking actually is. And it's a choice that, uh, you know, we have air conditioning in our vehicles. Isn't that a blessing to have air conditioning? Uh, Brother Jason was saying that. He was, I was just driving along this week and I didn't think about the air conditioner. I just went and, and then we found the air conditioner. He was like, oh, praise the Lord for air conditioning. <laughs> it's a good thing. It's a good thing, right? But whenever you finally got air conditioned vehicle, you then finally had a choice to either partake of the goodness of air conditioning or not at all and do nothing and partake of the hot day. That's the same thing in our walk. That's the same thing. When you became a believer, when you gave your life to Christ, you now, you now have a choice. Before you didn't, you were born in this world and you didn't, but now you have a choice to partake of the kingdom or to sit and partake of your old life in the world around us. It's a choice. Praise the Lord. So we're also calling this in partaking of faith part two. And I just wanted to recap that just so that we're on board if you weren't here. You know, uh, we spend so much time as a human race researching where we came from. I found this really interesting. I thought I would do a search. You know, because a lot of people, especially in the States, more, more than here, a lot of people in the States want to know what their heritage is because, you know, the United States, we're from everywhere. I mean, we came from all over the world, right? And there's just this desire to know where you're from. They, they now have like a DNA test you can take. You can take a DNA test to see what your DNA says, how much percent of this uh, culture influence you are in this culture. But Ancestry.com has been around since Internet, 
I mean, it's been there for a long time. So I just thought I would pull in Ancestry.com. It's a, uh, a, it's a website that you can find out your heritage, right? But listen to this. It has more than 3 million paying customers in about 30 countries and earns more than $1 billion in annual revenue. Now, you might think $1 billion for a big company, that's not much, but think about they have not that much overhead. I mean, how much overhead can you have when you are a web-based company that doesn't sell a product except research? That's, that's some bank right there. They are really making that. But what it tells me is there's this desire in mankind to know who we came from and who we are. It's already built in there. But how much more we need to know as believers where we came from, who we are in Christ. I said last week that whenever you became a Christian, you have to look at it as giving up your birth name and stepping into your godly birth name because you're born again. You're stepping into that. I'm no longer, uh, uh, sorry, I'm no longer uh, David Turbot. I'm no longer David Turbot, the builder or contractor that I used to do. I'm, I'm really even no longer David Turbot, the minister or, or a missionary or pastor, but I am spirit resurrection power and that's who I am. And I've got to partake of that daily. Praise the Lord. God has put natural desires in us to search for this, who we are. He has also set us apart in Deuteronomy 14.2, if we'll turn there. And I am believing I'm going to preach myself happy again. You might see me. Uh, my wife, my lovely wife Leanne said, well, oh, you was really stepping into something up there. That's uh, different. I haven't seen you get so excited up there before, but whenever I, whenever the Lord, I want to say ministers, because this is about the Holy Ghost, Lord ministers about who we are, it gets me fired up. And I know it's very important to know. Let me go back to the New King James here. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the people who are on the face of the earth. He has set you apart. He has called you unto himself, called you precious, and called you to him. We talked a little bit about you are his precious possession a couple weeks ago, and that's who you are to him. But the biggest thing here is he's called us and set us apart. Let's go to Jeremiah 4.4. 4. Is anyone else like me, whenever I say Jeremiah, the song, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, comes in my head every time. So I'm fighting it, trying not to sing that. Well, Pastor Ryan says no, so I think I might be alone on this up here all by myself. Sorry. Here it says, circumcise yourself to the Lord and take away the foreskin of your hearts, you men of Judah, inhabitants of Jer Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil that you're doing. He has called us to be set apart. He's called us into the light, set apart. What does that mean to circumcise? To pull yourself away from worldly things, to pull yourself away from your natural genealogy, your natural heritage, and pull yourself into the kingdom. We've been called and set apart and called by him. Pulled into his, his throne room, his secret place, his kingdom. And, and I just wanted to, to say this too. Ireland has been called to him. And I truly believe this. 
You're like, well, how do, you, how do you know this? The Lord has told me, and I wouldn't have left my country, my homeland, to come here. It's, it's not a comfort to leave all that you know. You know, I, I, whenever I was first called into Ireland, I shut down everything I knew, everything I leaned on, my abilities as a, as a builder, my abilities to, to produce uh, finances and everything for my family. I've laid them down for God. And I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just saying this is how I know that Ireland is set apart and he's got something. He being God has something for this nation, something huge for this nation. He has set this nation apart for a purpose. And I really truly believe that he's asked this nation to be kindled. And, and what that is, is that's referring back to when Jesus said that, that God, he has come to set a fire, Jesus has, to set a fire on this, on this world, and he wishes that we were kindled. I truly believe that, that God is kindling Ireland, that Ireland is going to be a place that goes out into the world. You know, I was just looking at the other day that uh, with an Irish passport, an Irish citizen can go to 188 countries. Imagine the mission that could be sent out, the gospel that could be sent out. Just walk right into 188 countries. God has a purpose for Ireland. I'm fired up for it. And I'm so happy he's called me to come over here and just be a part of it. But we are set apart. Hallelujah. Set apart to him and precious to him. That's good encouragement. If he's called us to be set apart, that means he comes behind us and he empowers us to be set apart. And that's really what this is about. You know, you might be, you might be thinking to yourself, maybe you heard the message last week, and I said we're spirit resurrection power, that we need to partake and step into that. And maybe you were thinking, you know what, if I have anything else on my plate that I've got to do, I am so overloaded. I am so worked overworked, underpaid. I've got children. I've got things to do. If you tell me one more thing I have to do, see, this is, this is what it, where it is. This is where it's at. Is God's not saying, I'm going to put something else on your plate. He's saying, I'm going to change your thinking. So when you go into your workplace, when you, whenever you go home to your children, you have a different mindset. You are changed from the inside. It starts right here. This is where the partaking starts is right here. Could you imagine going into your work with joy? Could you imagine that? Jesus went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. He endured it for the joy that was set before him. The joy is our strength, right? And that's just this, is getting a mindset and partaking of God's mindset for us. And that's what I'm, I'm believing the Lord's going to help us with today. So I'm going to talk about uh, Psalms 23. We can turn there. We can start in Psalms 23.1. I love this scripture. As a child, you know, I, I remember hearing it. I can remember it being in Sunday school growing up as a child. I'm sure all of us could probably even quote it. Right? It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. I remember growing up hearing this and asking about these, these little messages all through this. What does this mean? What does this mean? And you know, the elders in my church would answer it to the best of their ability. And it goes on. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And here's the part. Here's the part I'm getting to. Five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So a lot of times my elders in church or grown-ups, they could tell me what a little bit, you know, was about the still waters and a little bit about the green pastures and a little bit about the, the rod and the staff. But no one could tell me this. And actually, I'm so grateful because I let the Holy Ghost tell me. And I didn't have to go through my thinking of what uh, people told me through years. First, I just want to talk about this. If you can imagine this, let's get to know the author. So David is the author. And let's get to know the time period. Some people think it was when he was on the run from Saul he wrote this. And some people think it was on the run from his son uh, when he wrote this. So either way, we know at least in those two times, he knew what a king's table looked like. He knew. See, by the time he was on the run, run from Saul, he, already, he was already welcomed to the king's table. He knew what the king's table looks like. So I, I just want to talk about what does the king's table look like that's set before us. Through David's eyes, he's sharing this. You think about it, it's a massive room. It's a massive room. Huge. Sure amount is what I wrote down. There is a sure amount of food. The king's table is never without. It always has food. Think about it also, it is the best of the best at a king's table. We've all probably watched movies. We see that. They've got the most exotic uh, meats and fruits and everything from all around the world, right? Because they're trying to oppress each other. They're trying to have the best of the best there. There's not only the best of the best food, but they're the best of the best chefs preparing it for you. There's the best presentation. You know, when I think about this, the best of the best chefs, the best food, the best presentation. Whenever God used a raven in the Bible to bring food. You know, you research a raven, it is, it is the best scavenger bird. I, 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 thought, I just thought I'd research that a year ago, and I was like, well, that's pretty cool. God didn't pick just any bird. He picked the most, the best bird to scavenge and get the best food. They say that a raven will just take it right out of people's hands. I mean, it's like it just sits there and waits and it dives, dives in and takes it right out. So imagine that. God picked the best of the best bird. So he's prepared this table for us. He's picked the best of the best chefs. He's picked the best presentation. It's beautiful. Also, and I already said that table always has food. Even when the village is suffering, even when other kingdoms are suffering, the king's room, his table, it'll always have food. And I already said the most exotic that nobody can get. Well, what else is at the king's table? And maybe a lot of us know this. I'm just laying out, I guess, the story or the outline the Holy Spirit wants. What else is at the table? I talked about how big it was. And this is how I know how big it was. Saul, in the word of God, picks up a spear. You know, how long is a spear? It's taller than me. He picks up a spear at the, at, at, in the dining area where they're eating and throws it at David. That's pretty big. If you can pick up a spear, first of all, at my table, I'd pick up a spear and it's hanging over the other side already, probably touching someone's forehead. This place was huge. He picks up a spear and launch, launches it at David, and it's a it's big enough room that David has time to avoid it and also has time to get lost in the crowd. Massive room. But also we see that there's weapons at the Lord's table. There is weapons to stand. 
We go in Ephesians 6.14 where we put on the armor, right? We put on the armor of God to stand against the wicked one. We put on uh, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, the uh, shods or, or, or shoes of peace. We put the helmet of salvation and, and, and the, uh, now I forgot where the faith went from. The shield of faith, that's it. Thanks, Melvin. And then we finish it with the sword of spirit, the rhema word of God, our weapons, all provision. But where does that rhema word of God come from? That's our provision. It's God's word. All provision, all weapons of warfare, all power has been placed in front of us. And this is the best part. And our enemies. We must pick it up and partake of it. You know, the thing that probably took me the longest was figuring out, well, okay, Lord, you, you provide for us. That's so good. You have set this table of provision before us. But why in front of our enemies? Why have you put it in front of our enemies? And I love this. The next part at his table is honor. The king never invites you to his table unless he's honoring you and showing you and flaunting you to his other friends and other kings. This is just when he invited David to sit at the king's table, he beat Goliath. Well, King Saul wanted to honor David. Look, he saved, our, he saved Israel. He saved us. I'm going to honor him. You always have a seat at my table. God honors us. And what does that have to do with setting us in front of the enemy? He is saying, this is my child who I'm well pleased. Just like we read before, my precious possession. They are valuable to me. I'll put this, I'll put this Jason. He's sitting you at his table saying, deviled. Jason is valuable to me. He has all of my provision. He has everything, everything you cannot stand against him because I am behind him. I love our pastor uh, in the States, uh, Pastor Mark, says when he's describing uh, what's behind you. And you think about the guardie, just the guard, I'll say here. Uh, if a guard is out directing traffic and they get out in front of your vehicle and they do this, they just put their hand out, stop. Do they have the physical power to stop your vehicle? They don't have the physical power to stop your vehicle. You could just keep going and plow over them. So why do we stop? We stop because of the authority and power that's behind them. And they have all the guardie and all the courts fighting against them. And you stand no chance. And that's just it. When he set the table before our enemies for us, he is showing that this person, that you have all power and authority. And he's flaunting you in front of the enemy and saying... Nothing can withstand against my child. Hallelujah. I love that. I love this. And I'm, I'm, setting, I'm setting in position here the places he has for us. I want to go back and keep it on partaking in, in Hebrews 3.14. Because that, that's, that's the mission here, is we have to partake of this. We have to understand that all this stuff's done for us, but we have to partake of it. We have to accept it. We have to think on these things, as the word says, weigh them, whatever's good, whatever's just, to think on these things. Hebrews 3.14 says, For we have been become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end while it is said today, if you will hear my voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Part of partaking is hearing his voice and not just hearing it, 
But it says, and today, if you'll hear my voice and do not harden your hearts, what does that mean? Hear it and do something with it. Because here it said that they, they heard his voice and hardened their hearts. That means they didn't do anything with it. We got to partake. When we hear this, when we hear about what the Lord has for our life, when we hear about who we are in Christ, we have to partake of it and not harden our hearts from it. We are spirit resurrection power. So apparently you can hear and not obey, or you can hear and not hear. But partaking is receiving the word of God and receiving what God has said over your life. You know, we talked about uh, Ephesians, Ephesians here, putting on the armor of God in Ephesians 6, 14, 20. And I love this statement I heard years ago. I heard a minister say this, and we've probably heard it several times too. But he said, God has not called us to take our armor off. You know, a lot of times us as Christians will, will say, well, I put my armor on every day. I get into the scripture and I read it out and I, thank you, Father, I'm putting on the armor. But see, God's never called us to take the armor off. I had a minister in the state say this, and I'm not going to say his name because I'll get the quote all messed up, but I'm going to paraphrase. The quicker we know that we're born into a war zone, the better that we can walk out what God has for us the better we could be a Christian. If we understand that we're born in a war zone, that this is, the God of this world is Satan. Jesus, yes, has come and taken back the keys of life and death for us, but, but we have to walk through the name of Jesus. We have to partake in the name of Jesus and take back what does belong to us. But the quicker we understand that we're born in a war zone, the better we can equip ourselves and walk out our life with Christ. So we're not called to ever take off our armor. We're not, we're not called to do that. Um, God has, has never called us to leave our dwelling place either, his dwelling place, right? He's never called us to do that. Think about that. So we just talked about the table. We talked about uh, uh, everything that's laid before him, before us. He's laid before us, before our enemies. And he's provided all these things. We're not called to walk out of that room. You know, we just had praise and worship in here. In the Word of God says, it's uh, Psalms 100 and uh, verse 4. Yeah, that's it. It, it says to enter into, uh, in, enter into his courts with thanks, gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. So there's a court. Uh, you look up that word court, I like it. It, it talks about an outer village. An outer place. And, and we're talking about the king's uh, dining room, the king's table. So we know what a castle looks like here for sure, right? There's ruins and there's still castles standing today. So I imagine this mighty fortress. And I imagine this dining room. And I imagine this courtyard outside his village, his place, that we enter into these courts with praising, with thanksgiving. See, uh, we have a throne room that he's called us into. We have a table that he's called us to sit at. And we have a secret place. Pastor Ryan's been talking about that secret place here for a while. In Psalms 91 to uh, your secret place, right? To dwell in it. I love that. Dwell in the secret place of the Most High. So you might abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He says dwell there. Well, what's dwelling there? 
It's staying there. It's living there. You know, sometimes we call our house our dwelling because we live there and we stay there. And I think sometimes when we think about the table, we think we come in and we take what we need and we go away. And sometimes when we talk about the throne room, he says, come to my throne room, boldly come to my throne room to find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Come into it and we think, okay, then we we leave afterwards. We step out. He's never called us. You you find a scripture, come see me. He's never called us to step out of the secret place, to step out of the throne room, to step out of the dining room, if you will, even to step out of his gates. I think we're coming into his gates from inside the throne room. We're stepping into his gates from the secret place. All we're doing is going room from room. That's what we're doing. We're in his fortress. It also says, let's see, in in Psalm 61.3, he's our strong tower. In Psalms 18.2, it says he is our fortress. So there's something about fortress. There's something about strong tower. There's something about the king's kingdom that he's called us to stay in, to dwell in. Praise you, Lord. We're supposed to live under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, shadow, the word, uh, it it looks like it says stale. I know it's not pronounced that. S-T-A-L-E. If you look it up in the Strongs, the word shadow in that, the shadow of the Almighty, it means a defense or a castle. A castle. And I love that because we know that he is our strong tower, our fortress. See, God has never called us to come out of these rooms, to come out of his castle, to come out of his fortress. He's, he's called us to eat there. He's called us to train there. He's called us to sleep there. And I like this part. He's called us to position ourselves from there. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 20. This is one of my favorite stories. The Lord has hit this at every angle to me, and I absolutely love it. 2 Chronicles 20. I'm sure we know the story about Jehoshaphat and when he stood against the three armies. And that's what the story is about. Praise the Lord. God's word is so good. Isn't it good to have something instruction? Um, I remember... I've, I remember hearing a story, and I, I use it whenever I'm explaining hearing the voice of God, but it's a story about a, a man gets a job in the middle of Alaska. There's no one around, just snow and this building he's been called to work in. And it is, of course, it is about hearing the voice of God, but I, I do like that it says in that, go out there and I'll give you instructions. Now, someone will try to come over, my enemies will try to come over the radio and, and try to act like they're me, but this is the good part. But when you get there, start reading my manual because I'll never say anything outside of my manual. And that's how you'll know it's the enemy because they'll say something opposite of what my instructions are. But get a hold of that manual and you'll know it's me when you hear that. That's what I love about the Word of God. It's our manual. It's our operation system. It's what we go by to know that we're in the will of God and we're in the direction of the Almighty. That's why I love the Word. I love it. So 2 Corinthians 20 now, um, I'll probably skip down. We know the story. We know that Jehoshaphat, these three armies come against him. And, and then the, he, he then sees they must be a mighty army. I did some studies on the, the, the scriptures prior, and I did some calculations. 
And at this time, Jehoshaphat's men, able men, that's, that's with some of the uh, uh, Levites, these able men, that there was about one million. One million able men to fight. So think about how big those three armies had to be to come against him, to put him in a little bit of fear and have to remind God of what he said. It had to be over a million. It had to be way over a million. So here's these armies coming against him. And what does Jehoshaphat do? I love this. He stood in the assembly in verse 5. He stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new courts and said, O Lord, our Father, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hands there is, there is not power or might so that no one is able to withstand you. Are you not God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before the people of Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever, and they dwell in it? And have built you the sanctuary, it for you in your name, saying, if, it, if disaster comes upon us, Sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in the presence of your name in this temple. What are they doing? What is he doing? He's reminding God of his word. I love this. This is a, it, we, we were talking about this in foundation class. What is, how do we pray? We remind him of his word. And that's what he's doing. He's like, God, hadn't you said, will you not do? Isn't these the people that you didn't destroy? When we were going around taking out all the cities, these three cities stayed and we didn't destroy them. And this is how they're rewarding us. What are you going to do about it, God? This is what he's doing. I love this. It is a powerful story. And we'll, we'll just for just to, just to skip down here and go to uh, 17. This is where God responds. Now, remember, this is Jehoshaphat and all of Judah and Jerusalem. And what does God say? God says, you will not need to fight this battle. That's his reply. Of course, he says some things before that. He says that it, this battle's his. He'll go out. Go out, therefore. But I love this. You will not need to fight in this battle. And this is the part. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Part of our strong tower, our secret place, Getting into his courtyard, getting in his dining room and staying there is we're supposed to position ourselves in his throne room, in his kingdom. I imagine this. If, if you imagine a castle standing on the top and you're speaking to the devil or you're speaking to your, your circumstances from that position. God has not called us, uh, I'll be right back, Lord. I'm going to just step out for a second. I got something I got to handle and go out of his courtyards and say, okay, devil, this is what it's going to be. No, he's called us to position ourselves in his walls and in his kingdom and speak from there because that's where the power comes from. It doesn't come from us. The power comes from the almighty. And if you position yourself in the almighty and I am spirit resurrection power, the devil has to flee. And that's it. It's about positioning this is a good illustration to understand positioning. Well, one is, if I, come up, if I came up to you and said, I'm going to punch you, Pastor Ryan, he would already be ready for defense, right? He would already, if I just went like that, he'd be like, he'd be ready, right? Because why? Because he's positioned himself to defend because he knows what's coming. So because of that, he's positioned in defense. Also, we've all been offended sometime, right? Everybody in here has had offense sometime in their life. And I heard this a long time ago and I love it. 
When you're in offense, it's a position. Now think about it. When you're offended, and say the person that has offended you comes up to you and even compliments you, says, lovely hair, Cynthia, your hair is beautiful. It's wonderful. And if I've offended you, you're kind of like, like, what's your point? What, what, what are you trying to get at here? Right? Be like, what's your angle? Are you just trying to be friendly in front of everyone? You know, right? Because you've positioned yourself in offense. You're now seeing every, everything that someone would say, even if it's the nicest thing or they're really trying. Because you've positioned yourself there. You see, you hear, and you react in that position of offense. And that's what this is about. When we position ourselves in the kingdom of God, we see, we hear, and we react on godly things, right? When someone offends us, we love them right back. We will not. We will be determined because I'm positioned in the kingdom. I will not be offended. When, whenever, whenever sickness tries to come near our dwelling, we're like, oh, no, I do not receive that. And you speak the word out of your mouth because you're, you are a child of God and you're positioned in his throne room, in his secret place, in his dwelling places. And see, this is what the partaking is about. It's about positioning ourselves in the kingdom. It's about positioning in who we are. We are spirit resurrection power. We are children of the most high, high God, the living God, the almighty. We were talking about this in foundation class. Is God a sovereign God? Because we have to we have to battle that when people says God is a sovereign God, you know, sometimes he'll allow things to happen. No, he is a sovereign God. What that means is he's all powerful. He's a mighty God. But he's put us into position and us in authority to speak things into this earth so that things will happen. John Wesley says it really good when he says it seems that God can do nothing unless mankind pray that humanity pray. And that's it. God has given us authority on this earth. He gave it to Adam. Adam gave it up. Jesus came back and had to take it. Now it's in our hands through Christ Jesus now. And we have the authority to speak things out. Speak God's will on this earth. I love that. Uh, just in the, the scripture. Our, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He's called us to call kingdom things down. On earth as it is in heaven. See, the disciples asked him how to pray, and they said, how do you pray? Right there it is. You've got to pull on kingdom. You've got to pull on it and speak it out into this earth. It's our position. It's what we're supposed to do. So we have to position ourselves. And this is what's so great about it. You know, I was, we were just talking just a minute ago about if you just put one more thing on me, Dave. If you just put one more thing. I know I call myself David. Sometimes I call myself Dave. You're probably like, what is your name? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. But you're like, if you put one more thing on me, this is what's so beautiful about it is, all it is is a reposition. It's a repositioning of your life. It's a repositioning of your thinking. If we could think and know who we are, if we can always walk around, I like this illustration. You ever seen those, those people with the big plank of wood and it says, you know, the time is near, you know, the world's going to end you know, repent for the time is near. I think of that. Instead of a board, imagine I've put on a little bitty fortress. See, the fortress isn't a place that we have to come to. That's, I got to leave work and I got to go to my, my God's fortress. I got to step into his dwelling place. It's something that we carry around with you. We are the temple of God, right? We are the temple. We carry the fortress around. That's who we are. 
We are the temple of God. So that fortress is right here. And just like that planks of wood they carry around and says, you know, repent for the time is near. You are carrying around this fortress. But we have to remember that that's where we're positioned. Because if we don't position ourselves, we're walking, we're stepping right out of it. Like, hold on, let me just, let me put this right here. I want to go over here and watch this movie that's inappropriate. And I don't need to be feeding myself. And then I'll run back and I'll just put it right back on. I might have stepped on some toes there. But that's just it. We're never supposed to take it off. We're supposed to dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. We're supposed to dwell in a secret place. We're supposed to also, if, if we're leaving the secret place, we're going to the next room. Where's that? Enter into this throne room. Or enter in and take. I love this. Put some things down here. I can see this is the table. This is something that's helped me so much. Oh, it doesn't turn down. I thought it turned down. I was, I was like, you were like, don't break it. <laughs> here I am pushing it. When I need provision, I, I love this visualization. And I, I visualize, I know, I know Brother Jason's been talking about your imagination and, and, this, and visualizing in your faith. You know, that's, that's, God's put that in you. God's put dreams and visions in you. I love, I love this visualization of the table. He set a table before my enemy. And when I need provision, I say, Heavenly Father, I boldly come into the throne room. And I pull on this, that I need my finances met. And devil, do you see me pulling? You cannot stop me and you cannot come against me. I take it. Now, angels, go forth, as your word says, and take back what belongs to me. But I love the visualization. Is I'm, I'm, in, I'm entering into that room. That's the same thing as a throne room. Get that visualization and enter into that room. Get the visualization of all your needs being met. Enter into that table and say, I'm taking it right now in the name of Jesus. Get into the secret place and dwell with him and visualize being with the Almighty, being in the presence. That's part of partaking. Is we have to just get it up here. We are spirit resurrection power. We dwell on this planet for the Almighty. And it's such a privilege it is an absolute privilege to be a part of his kingdom. Be a part of what he's doing. Praise the Lord. This is the light that I was talking about in the beginning of Adam and Eve. This is that light. His shadow is that light. That dwelling place is his light. That perfect place that we can live in where there's not, we're not suffering from calamity. We're not suffering from evil, but we're living in the goodness of God. This is what Jesus took back for us, was this dwelling place that we can step into. It's where Jesus was. Jesus constantly walked in this. That's why I love, I think it's John 9 in the first chapter, it says, As Jesus was walking, he saw. You know, and the disciples wrote the Bible. So why didn't they say, as, as we and Jesus were walking? He said, as Jesus was walking... So Jesus was being led by the Spirit. He, they were just following him. That's why Jesus said, come follow me. He didn't say, come hang out with me. You know, we'll, we'll have some tea and, and some coffee and just have some good. No, he said, come follow me because he knew he was going to be dwelling in the secret place. Come, come, dwell with me in the secret place. He was being led by the Holy Spirit and then saw. He came back and he got into the light and was a perfect example for us. Not only an example of who God is, but an example of how we can walk. He walked in that light. He walked in that dwelling place. So hallelujah. I hope this encourages you. I'm trying to get longer and longer with my sermons. You said I'm really, I don't want them to get relaxed. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. 
Hey, I, I just truly believe that whenever the Holy Spirit speaks, He speaks exactly what's, what He wants done today. Anytime anyone's up here, I think that's, that's just our prayer here. I know that's my prayer here, is anyone that takes this position right here speaks straight from heaven. And everything's said that needs to be said. And I believe it was today. So we are spirit resurrection power. We dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. Because we're in that secret place and we're not leaving it. So position yourself. Position yourself in it. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you that there is a seat saved for us in your dwelling place. There is a seat saved for us at your table. It is our table. There is a seat in your throne room and we have a small little house in your village. Ah, we have a mansion in your village. We have a great house in your village. There's all mansions in your village. So thank you, Father, that we dwell in your kingdom. We dwell in that place, Father. And you have prepared that place for us. That place is just for us. So thank you, Father, for helping us step into the completeness of sons and daughters. That completeness, the true sons and daughters in your kingdom. Help us to step into that, Father, because we have things to do. You have a call on this nation. You have a call on us, Father. And thank you, Father God. We receive that. We partake of that. We step into that call you have for us, knowing who we are and knowing that all power and all heaven has us, lifts us up. And that's where, our, that's where all of our ability comes from. Oh, and we glorify you. And we thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town, and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.